Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 443 of the Peter Ludwig. Peter is sharing his expertise when it comes to conquering procrastination. So you'll learn, one, Peter's recipe for finding willpower in the moment, two, how to find your ongoing motivation, and three, why you should rest before you get tired. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, you'll find it over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep443. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep443. Now, here's Peter's story. Peter Ludwig is a science popularizer, entrepreneur, and consultant for Fortune 500 companies. He's the author of the best-selling book, The End of Procrastination, a book dedicated to overcoming the habit of putting off tasks and responsibilities. His book has been translated into more than 10 languages and sold hundreds of thousands of copies globally. Peter is the founder and CEO of the company Procrastination.com, which applies the latest scientific findings in neuroscience and behavioral economics to help individuals and companies in their sustainable growth. His core fields of interest are a purpose at work, values-based leadership, and critical thinking. So thanks to Peter for hanging out with us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Working remotely can be a challenge, especially for teams that are new to it. How do you deal with your work environment being the same as home while staying connected and productive? And then there's your newest coworker, the cat. Well, your friends at Trello have been powering remote teams globally for almost a decade. At a time when teams must come together more than ever to solve big challenges, Trello's here to help. Trello, part of Atlassian's collaborative suite, is an app with an easy-to-understand visual format plus tons of features that make working with your team functional and just plain fun. Trello keeps everyone organized and on the same page, helping teams communicate, focus, and connect. Teams of all shapes and sizes at companies like Google, Fender, Costco, and likely your favorite neighborhood coffee shop all use Trello to collaborate and get work done. Try Trello for free and learn more at Trello.com. That's T-R-E-L-L-O.com. Trello.com. Here is Peter. Peter, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hi, Pete. Happy to uh, be here. <laughs> well, I'm happy to chat with you, and, and I'm so fascinated by your story. You have studied a whole host of scientific, social, psychological things, and you decided to pour a lot of your energies into the study of procrastination. Why this topic, and is it coming from experience here? For me, the topic of procrastination is uh, one of the most important these days because we live in the world uh, full of distractions, social media, and uh, it's quite challenging to find a way how to stay focused on what is important. So for me, the topic of procrastination is uh, getting more and more important these days. And uh, there is a lot of good data and uh, a lot of scientific studies about how to really decrease your procrastination. So my life mission is to just transform what science knows into uh, what people do in their normal lives. Well, that's an awesome mission and and so Mm -hmm. important and helpful because there's so much great knowledge out there. And it's great to make sure that folks actually see it instead of the researcher and the researcher's mom in the academic journal. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'd love to know, Peter, what are some things that uh, you procrastinate on? Oh, I still have some uh, things that I procrastinate. For example, if I have to sign an important contract, 
for example, I have uh, a lot of contracts for uh, translations of my books, so I have to sign them. I have a good lawyer, but still I want to read them before. So those are things I procrastinate, things that are important, but uh, quite challenging and difficult to me. So tell me, as, as you've done your research associated with uh, procrastination and your book in particular, The End of Procrastination, which is now available in English, thank you, uh, translators and, and lawyer and contract uh, for, for that coming together. Uh, what's maybe the most surprising or, or fascinating thing that you discovered in digging into some of the research and studies behind this? Right. Uh, there is a huge meta-analysis about all the research on procrastination and outcomes. That's convenient. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good beginning uh, where to start when you do uh, any kind of research to read meta-analysis because someone did a good job before. So, uh, for example, if you want to know some research about longevity, you can use Google Scholar and just uh, try to find uh, longevity and meta-analysis, and you will find very good sources. So th that's my hack, to start to read a mm -hmm. meta-analysis. And th the biggest meta-analysis about procrastination uh, shows us that the main cause of procrastination is a lack of self-regulation. Self-regulation means that uh, you have your emotional part, and then you have your rational part. And if you are unable to resist temptation, your emotional part is going to win. And it means that uh, you go to check your Facebook, you want to, I don't know, overeat, you want to uh, watch Netflix and so on. But if you have uh, good willpower and your rational brain is stronger, your willpower is stronger, uh, then you can self-regulate. Even if you have a temptation to do something, you are able to resist. So that's, that's the core of procrastination, to really train your willpower part of the brain. All right. Well, so that sounds sensible. How do we go about doing that? Well, uh, there are a lot of techniques for that. Uh, my favorite one is uh, when you uh, do uh, daily habits. For example, if you do 20 push-ups daily, not even your muscles uh, grow, but even your part of the brain that is called prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that is uh, for willpower, it grows too. So that's very good news that procrastination is not uh, something that is inborn, but uh, you can really train your willpower as a muscle. So by doing 20 push-ups daily, you really can train your willpower. Well, that's really cool. And so then I'm curious, is, is it push-ups? Is it sort of strength training in particular that, that boosts the willpower? Or would running do the same thing? Or oh, Yeah, all exercises do the same, but... Uh, what is important is to do something daily. You can have your favorite like five-minute routine of, uh, I don't know, it doesn't need to be push-ups, but five minutes daily uh, can really boost your willpower. And we have one willpower for all domains. So you can train your willpower by exercise, and then you have stronger willpower uh, even in your uh, work. Okay, great. So, so exercise is a key way to increase your ability to have willpower. What are some of the other means of increasing it? Another one uh, is some mindfulness. Like uh, to do a simple uh, five to ten mi minutes uh, meditations. There is a great app for that. Uh, you probably heard about uh, app Headspace, mm -hmm. or there is another app that is called Simple Habit. Headspace is for 
10 minutes uh, simple habit is uh, they have five minutes meditations and uh, those five to ten minutes of uh, really focusing on doing nothing that is mindfulness uh, focusing on your breath or counting something that can really increase your willpower too so my uh, advice is to do I don't know five minute uh, exercise in the morning and then to do uh, mindfulness meditation in the afternoon and all those exercises together they took only a few minutes but can really improve your uh, everyday uh, willpower and productivity well and so i'm curious since you're a science popularizer and and lover i, I might be able to get into some of the depth with you because you know sometimes i i'm fascinated too by by research studies and i, I pull up academic journals and and sometimes the, the thing that gets me is it's like okay you've shown us sure enough that there is a statistically significant difference with your intervention so nice job researchers that's something you know but i also want to know but how big is this difference like am i going to be you know one percent better at willpower if i do my push-ups and my mindfulness or is it like double triple like like do you have a sense for how much quantitatively of an improvement we'd see with these interventions oh well that's the great question uh my experience is that uh, i have only some anecdotal evidences of my clients because uh it's very difficult to if you read those meta-analysis to see how big was the difference at the end? Yeah, so that, that, that's a very good question. But with my clients, I can see the, uh, the huge difference. Like if they really start to train their willpower, let's say in three, four weeks, they are much, much better in their productivity. So it's quite difficult to measure it. But uh, if I ask them uh, what is their improvement, they feel significant improvement. They, they are telling me that they can uh, do like, I don't know, two times more tasks daily or something oh, there like that. you go two times t more tasks daily sounds sounds enticing all right so so it's a measure of of doing some physical uh, exercise as well as some some mindfulness are there any other key ways we should go about building our willpower there is a um, beautiful study that uh our willpower is also dependent on uh, simple sugars in our blood so eat fruits and vegetables daily can really boost your willpower too. So to drink, for example, a glass of fresh juice uh, or to eat, I don't know, two free apples can really boost your willpower too. So, and another example is uh, to go for a walk because if you are sitting the whole day, uh, then your brain is stuck and uh, you need to boost your cardiovascular system so five minutes uh, or ten minutes a walk can really improve the willpower too so my advice is to <laughs> do a simple short uh, exercise in the morning then to eat uh, fruits and vegetables during the day then uh, to uh, have, have walks uh, regularly for example work, work for two hours then have a walk and then work for another two hours and then have another walk and uh, then do a simple meditation in the evening and you can really uh, double your performance. Okay, that's really cool. So, so these are great things to do on an ongoing basis to to keep your your willpower strong and in great shape. Uh, what are some of your pro tips for when you're in the heat of battle, if you will, and uh, there's this thing you know you should do it, but you sure don't want to do it. You're right there, right now. How do you find the power? Oh 
Oh, right. Uh, for me, uh, I go somewhere without internet connection. For example, I have my favorite tea room that I uh, was writing my book and they simply, they don't have internet connection there. So <laughs> it helped me to really start with something. And uh, what is really good is to set a proper time for starting. For example, if you are postponing to send, I don't know, an important email, uh, you should set a proper time like, okay, I will start at 8 a.m. and uh, you can use uh, apps that can block your internet connection for uh, Apple, the name is Freedom, so you can really block your internet connection. And uh, for uh, Windows, it is called Cold Turkey. And those apps can help you a lot if you block your internet connection. Okay, th that's handy. So you set a time, you, you block the internet connection. Uh, you've got a tool called the Heroism Tool in your book. Oh, right, yeah. What's this about? Uh, this, uh, this tool is from Professor... Philip Zimbardo, uh, who is famous about his uh, Stanford prison uh, experiment, still slightly a controversial one. And uh, when I met Zimbardo for the first time, uh, I asked him what is his uh, personal tip for f fighting procrastination. And he did uh, something that was quite strange to me. He took my black marker and he put a big black dot on his forehead. And I was like, what? <laughs> and Zimbardo told me that uh, if you put a black big uh, dot on your forehead and you go, for example, shopping or you go by bus somewhere, you start to get used to strange feelings that you have, that you are different. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you are then able to overcome your social comfort zone. And he really described me that we have two kinds of comfort zone. First is physical one. It's uh, much more obvious. It's, for example, the bed in the morning. It's a physical comfort zone or the situation when you are, uh, for example, sitting in your car. But then we have a, a social comfort zone. And that means that you are part of the crowd. You are uh, in a herd. And to overcome that is very important even for fighting procrastination because often we are unable to act in the right moment. So Zimbardo told me that if you do this uh, little uh, training with the black dot on your forehead, then you are uh, capable of overcoming the comfort zone even in uh, different scenarios. For example, if you go next to accident, you are then uh, much more able to stop and help or you are uh, able to say your opinion if someone else is quiet and so on. So uh, Zimbardo calls this a uh, little heroism. Those little heroic acts can really boost your ability to be the one who really do something when the situation is uh, important. So for me, this, this tool is uh, one of the core of my book. And Japanese samurai, they had a rule that if you are in the situation that you really need to act. You probably heard about that. It's a rule of three heartbeats. You really have to act in three heartbeats, like three, two, one, and then act. Because, for example, if you are driving and you see accident, you really have those three seconds to stop and help there. If you don't do that, you probably um, just uh, go and. Uh, it's much easier to uh, find excuses to not to do that. You know, I think I heard about this, except it was on a 
reality TV show about pickup artists. <laughs> the, the the three second rule in terms of they say that in this context it was guys who are going to approach a lady and like start talking to her. Okay, I think this concept <laughs> Yeah. Stopping next to accident is maybe a little bit uh more important. <laughs> oh absolutely, yes. But but I think it gets to the same uh notion that the hesitation, fear uh, sort of overthinking it just gets in your yeah, way. Yeah, overthinking is a real problem. Like we have a data, it, more you overthink, more you procrastinate. So uh, fighting overthinking, like, and we have a, a beautiful data that uh, more you are intelligent and more you are creative, then you procrastinate even more. That's my problem, are, Peter. Yeah, <laughs> because you are <laughs> capable of coming up uh, with very good excuses and uh, excuses in front of yourself. So you use uh, your creativity and your intelligence against yourself. And that, that's the problem. Like overthinking is very, very, uh, very usual problem of intelligent people. That's interesting. So I'm curious then if when we talk about maybe some of the the fear elements, you know, mm -hmm. I guess and sometimes it's just like a very quick, short time that you can respond to something, and other times there's it's maybe it's maybe not so urgent, but you're you're maybe I'm thinking about salespeople right now. It's like mm -hmm. oh, you know what, I got to make some calls, but I'm resistant because right. I don't I think they're going to be angry at me, and that's not pleasant. And it's not like you're terrified of it, but it's it, it's mm -hmm. not fun. And so there's maybe some anxiety or fear or, or trepidation associated with it. So I, I guess not overthinking it and just jumping in is, is yeah. one strategy. Are there any other you know things you'd recommend in, in these contexts? Um, I do uh, trainings for salespeople and uh, what works very well for them are daily routines. Like, for example, if you have to do some cold calls, uh, you should set a very low bar, for example, to do free calls, but do there uh, daily. And if you set up a routine and you do that, uh, those free calls daily, then it's much easier to do more. So science calls this micro habits. What is important is not the quantity, but what is important is that you really stick to the habit daily. And if you do that uh, and you repeat it like five to ten times, then it's uh, much easier to start. So uh, my advice to salespeople is to set the proper proper time. For example, as, as I said, like 8 a.m., I, uh, I, I will start with calls. And I do free calls. And then uh, what is very good, we, we, we have a tool that is called Habit List. You have a table and you fill in each day the, the table and you see that you really pass the goal. So set the bar to the lowest and repeat it. And after you have uh, that, that habit, you can increase the quantity. And at the end, you can do, I don't know, 15 calls daily. Okay, so with this habit list table, I guess the rows would be habits, and then the columns would be sort of days, and you right, would want exactly. to fill it up kind of Ben yeah. Franklin style or Jerry yeah, Seinfeld exactly. joke style to say, hey, keep the chain going day after day after day. Yeah, this uh, tool is uh, one of my favorite one. I use it every day. And for example, I have a row uh, that is called cold shower. Another row is, I don't know, to do those uh, morning exercise. Another row can be, I don't know, read or write a few pages and so on. But uh, the core of this tool is that uh, if you visualize 
the outcomes, like you put a green dot if you pass it and a red dot if you don't, you see the visual feedback of it. So you have a table and at the end you see how good you are in those habits. And if you see that you are failing, you have uh, many days red in a row, it means that uh, you your bar is too high or you don't have intrinsic motivation to do those things. So uh, those are only two uh, situations, like you have lack of motivation or the bar is too, too high. So you can fix both. Like you can ask why you want to do that habit and you can increase your um, motivation or you can decrease the bar. For example, if you are unable to write five pages daily as an author, then you should start with two paragraphs. There is always a lower bar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny that that's kind of inspiring. <laughs> Even though you're talking about lowering the bar, there's always a lower bar is, is kind of inspiring to me. Yeah, I did it. Uh, when I was writing the book, The End of Procrastination, that's funny because I was procrastinating that. So I was procrastinating writing the book about procrastination. And the final solution was really to write two paragraphs daily. And everyone can write two paragraphs daily. And if you do that, then you are able to write even more paragraphs and uh, really start with lower bar is, is the key of fighting procrastination to me. I really appreciated that, that perspective. And we had uh, Dr. BJ Fogg on the show earlier talking about tiny habits and, and motivation. Mm -hmm. And Megan Small is very helpful uh, in, in terms of, of making that happen. So uh, let's talk about the, the motivation piece for a moment. It, it, how do we get more of that? The first part of the book is about motivation because I think that if you have the right motivation, then you don't need uh, willpower at all. So it's much more important to find right motivation than to boost willpower. Oh, we should have started there. <laughs> okay. We'll For continue. example, yeah, I don't need to push myself to do talks because I really love to do talks. So it's uh, much, much more uh, important to me to do things that I don't need to push myself to. So, and the core of motivation that I'm trying to cover in my book is that, uh, basically we have three kinds of motivation. First one is extrinsic motivation. And there is another huge meta analysis about motivation. And it seems that extrinsic motivation doesn't work at all. It worked for uh, manual activities, but it doesn't work for activities that uh, you need your brain. So, it doesn't work for creative and cognitive tasks. So then we have intrinsic motivation. But I cover uh, two kinds of intrinsic motivation. One is focusing on goals, like intrinsic motivation by goals. And that's the thing that people are setting goals in their private life. And this can really backfire because uh, I had a client and uh, he had that uh, kind of goal board and he had their his uh, car he wants to buy, the ideal flat he wants to have, and he got depressed because he didn't have any of that. So the problem of goals is that uh, if you are focusing on something in the future, you are less happy in the present because you are still missing the goal. And the second backfire moment is if you reach the goal, the happiness is very short term. Uh, psychology calls this hedonic adaptation. So even if you reach the highest goal, like you win a Nobel Prize or you, you win an Olympic gold medal, you are happy just a few days, maybe one week, week, not more. So focusing on goals 
uh, can make you addictive because uh, we call those people goal junkies. Those are people that they are setting higher and higher goals, but they are not happy in the present moment. And if they reach the goal, they experience only short-term happiness, but then they need another goal. It's quite similar uh, these days on social media. Like, uh, for example, if you have 10,000 followers, you feel, okay, I need 100,000. And then you have 100,000 followers. Well, then you need 1 million followers and so on. So uh, more you have, more you want. So, and it leads not to happiness, but to addiction. So, well, yeah, that's a bummer. So, so what's the superior alternative? Okay, uh, we call it uh, journey-based intrinsic motivation, and it's based on very old but very important saying that the path is the destination. So uh, what is much more important than to focus in on goals is to focus in on activities that are enjoyable for you and you see purpose of them. And uh, how to find those activities? Uh, I have a simple tool for that, and uh, it's based on a Japanese concept of Ikigai. Ikigai is a Japanese word from island of Okinawa. It's my favorite island. And Okinawa is famous uh, for the fact that they have the longest lifespan around the globe. So they really live to their 100. And they made a long-term study, what is the reason of longevity at Okinawa, in Okinawa. And the outcome was really the concept of Ikigai. And it can be translated as a strong sense of purpose. And Japanese, they describe Ikigai as a connection between four parts. First part is to do things that you are good at. So strengths are very important. Second part of Ikigai is doing things that uh, you really enjoy. So positive emotions are very important. Uh, psychology calls this state of flow. You do something and time stops for you and you are in the present moment. And the third part of Ikigai is the most important to me, and it's doing something that's, that is greater than you, doing something that uh, helps the society, helps the others. So selfless acts are important too, not to be just selfish. And the uh, fourth part is to do things that you can get paid for. So money is important, but not that much. What is much more important is to use your strengths daily and to focus on meaning and purpose. And so the, the premise was that they're living so long because a large proportion of their activities check one or more of these four boxes? Right. Uh, and if, if you find something that is uh, interconnected, like, for example, for me, if I do uh, a talk, it's very important to me in terms of it has purpose because it can help a lot of people. Then uh, I really enjoy doing that. I can improve it so I can improve my skills. So more uh, better I am with my presentation skills, happier I am with uh, the process. And of course, I can get paid for that. So if you find something that is interconnected, uh, you have less stress hormone cortisol that is uh, killing us slowly. So uh, that's maybe one of the reasons why people, if they have more purpose, they, are, they live much longer. And the data shows us that uh, people with more purpose, they have less risk of cardiovascular diseases, less risk of strokes, and so on. So it can really uh, prolong your, your life. Oh, cool. Thank you. Huh. <laughs> Very cool. Well, and so I, I want to make sure we also cover, when it comes to 
just sort of the organization of tasks and time in the day in, day out. I understand you've got some perspectives on how we can do that better so we can achieve more before we get tired. Right. The key of productivity is to have a regular rest. So, for example, workaholics are procrastinators too, but they are procrastinators of having a rest. So it means that if you are working like 12 hours in a row without rest, the quality of your work is very, very low. But if you work one hour and then you have a rest and then you work another hour, your productivity is much, much uh, higher. So regular rest is important and to have a rest even before you are tired is very important because if you are tired, you don't have willpower to go for a walk. So you should go for a walk before you are tired and you should drink that uh, juice, uh, fresh juice before you are exhausted and so on. So it's on like preventive matter to have a rest in, on preventive matter is important. Okay, so that's a good thought. You rest before you're tired so that you can rest more Exactly. Actively or productively. And so I guess it varies person by person, but you use the the time roughly as an example of, of an hour and then a rest. Is that kind of the right recipe or duration? Yeah, it, it really depends on what you want. For me, one hour is just enough. It can be 45 minutes, it can be 30 minutes, it can be two hours. It, it really depends. So for me, one hour is just, just enough to have a focus on something and then to have a rest. And when it comes to resting, you know, you mentioned taking a walk or, or some of these other things. Are there any other key means of, of recuperating that are, that are highly effective and efficient? I love those walks, yeah. Walks are very, very good because it really uh, can boost your cardiovascular system. So walks, then uh, naps, of course. You can have like 15 to 20 minute nap and naps are also very good in terms of productivity. It seems crazy that a napping can boost your productivity, but it's true. There is a lot of uh, scientific data about the fact that uh, if you do one or two naps daily, your productivity is uh, much higher than if you just do work for 12 hours in a row. You know, I, I'm a big believer in napping, Peter, and I used to be the weirdo. When I worked in an office, I did, in fact, take naps, and I was the oh, weird guy. Great. But I was like, I've got scientific data on my side, so I, this yeah. is enabling me to work better for you. You should be thanking me for napping, <laughs> frankly. Cool. What, what do you think else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and, and hear about some of your favorite things? Yeah, for me, the core was to really find a purpose of what you do. I want to write another book about purpose at work because like 80% of my clients, I do one-on-one one -on -one consulting and 80% of my clients, they have struggles of, of finding purpose of what they do. Sometimes I call this corporate depression because it's a problem of people that are working in big corporations but they don't see purpose of what they do. So finding purpose at work is very important and it's a very important part of leadership to help people in your team to see purpose of what they do. So purpose to me is the key topics and uh, finding purpose for yourself and to ask yourself what, what is meaningful to you, how you can improve the world a bit and so on. Those are key questions. Okay, great, thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Well, uh, I really love the quote, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. 
So mm-hmm. I love simplicity. I love minimalism. I loved it even before it was cool. <laughs> and to really explain things simply, it's uh, my favorite, favorite thing because we live in a very chaotic and very complex world. And simplicity is uh, very good for decreasing our stress and stress hormone cortisol too. So that's why I love Japan. I go to Japan every year for one month. And uh, for me, when I'm sitting in a temples in Kyoto that are very simple, it makes me much more relaxed and without stress. So simplicity is a very good tool how to fight stress in this complex world. Okay. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? Yeah, it's it's maybe the one uh, about self-forgiveness. It's it's a quite new study that they uh, it shows that uh if you can uh, forgive yourself, then you procrastinate less. Because people if they can't forgive themselves, they have more regrets and they have much more negative feelings and it can backfire again. So self-forgiveness is very good. For example, if you fail with something, just forgive yourself. And start again, and don't don't uh, blame yourself that much. Okay, thank you. And how about a favorite book? Oh, yeah, I love the book from Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, it's a great book, and it was a very good source even for my book. But the problem is that the book is very complex and uh, sometimes difficult to read. So, but uh, the quality of the book is amazing. I saw Daniel Kahneman. I don't know, one month ago here in New York, and uh, he's an incredible person. He's the the founder of the modern decision-making science, so I I love his book. Thank you. And how about a favorite tool? My favorite tool? It's a great question, too. Um, I think that it's the the habit list, the one that I covered uh, in the discussion with you, because I use this tool for maybe now five, six years, and it really changed my life. It really changed my life because now... Uh, I'm able to really change my habits and I have a tool that I believe in and uh, it really works for me. Well, now I'm going to ask about a favorite habit, but maybe since you've got a whole list of habits, can you give us the rundown? What all is in your habit list right now? I can open my habit list and I can read it to you. So, All right. So you've got it digitally. Yeah, I have a digital one in Mm -hmm. in my uh, Excel table. And the first is uh, called Shower. The second is exercise. Uh, then, then I have a, a one uh, that is <laughs> about overcoming my bad habit, uh, and it's drinking tea. Because uh, I don't drink coffee, I only drink tea, so my limit is only one tea daily. And I used to drink like three, four teas, and uh, there is a lot of caffeine there. So uh, I want to get rid of this, this bad habit, so my limit is one, one green tea daily. Then I have alcohol. My limit is uh, less than a half liter of wine. <laughs> You're from uh, Czech Republic, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Are no, you on like... the Praha drinking team, perchance, Peter? <laughs> when I visited, yeah. I, I saw tons of merch that said Praha wow. drinking team. I, I thought that yeah. was funny. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Prague, like uh, people usually drink a lot of beers. Uh, I like beer too, but uh, for me, the wine is the issue. So uh, my limit is two glasses of wine daily Mm -hmm. so then uh i have a gym it's a special column because uh the exercise column was the the short uh morning exercise and the gym is the uh longer one hour one hour in the gym or to go running 
And then I have a low carb diet. It means not to eat pizza. <laughs> and uh, the last column is uh, to fill in my gratitude journal, to fill in three things that I'm grateful for daily. Mm -hmm. That's also a very cool uh, habit to have. And, and so now all of these are daily habits? Yep. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the, the gym, gym is not a daily habit. All my habits are daily habits except gym. Uh, I want to go gym uh, three times weekly. Yeah, and I was going to ask, when, when you're, does the game change at all when both in terms of the habit list, how you're tracking it with the red or the, the green and the contiguous blocks, uh, and in terms of behaviorally, like, like what do you do to install a habit that's not every day? Well, then you really can mark those days that you don't have to do that, uh, for example, with blue, blue dot. So if you, I don't know, uh, want to do gym three times weekly, you put the green if uh, you, you do that. If you don't have to, you put a blue one. And if you don't do it in a row for one a week, then you put the red one. So Understood. Right. <laughs> okay. And then when you're actually doing a, a habit that's not every day, it seems like those could be harder to, to build and to take root. Do you have any tips for those? Exactly. Exactly. That's why I teach my clients to have daily habits. But sometimes, of course, you are unable to do, do it daily. For example, uh, I play uh, squash and uh, I have my friend that is playing squash with me and we do squash only once, once a week. So uh, with this habit, it's very good to find a partner. Like it's, it's much uh, easier to you to uh, do that because uh, you don't want to cancel it in advance. So mm -hmm. if you have a, your uh, body for sports, for exercise, it can really increase the chance that you really do that. Oh, oh, absolutely. I guess I'm just wondering. So if you know that you don't intend to go to the gym every day, but you want to make sure that that is a habit, how do you behaviorally lock that in? Well, yeah, it's, it's, I love those apps uh, that you really uh, book the gym. And if you want to cancel, you pay some money for that. <laughs> so it's also a good motivation. So I use okay. uh, app ClassPass. And if you don't uh, go for a class, I think you pay, I don't know, 20 bucks or something. So <laughs> it means that okay. it can really force you to go. Oh, gotcha. All right. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and, and resonate with your, your readers and, and listeners? Okay. What I really like is those uh, random small acts of kindness. And it re really resonates with my clients because if you do one uh, or two or three small uh, random acts of kindness daily, it makes you much happier than if you buy a new iPhone or things like that. Because we have a data that we have a specific part of the brain that is activated when you do something for the others. So doing something uh, selflessly uh, can, from in terms of happiness, can be much uh, long term than if you do something just uh, selfish. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch. Where would you point them? Okay. Well, part of uh, my book is uh, about this, uh, and another good book is a book from Adam Grant that is called, uh, it, it calls Give and Take. It's a great book, even for leadership. And Adam made a lot of research on the fact that uh, in these days, uh, if you are not 
taker, but the giver, you can be much more successful. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Okay, I think that's the, the, the final advice will be again about finding the purpose. Ask yourself what is important to you and how you can uh, really help more your clients, how you can really help more your colleagues, or what you can do to really be proud of yourself during the workday. All right. Thank you, Peter. This has been lots of fun. I wish you and the book, The End of Procrastination, tons of luck and keep doing the good work. Thank you, Pete. It was, it was a great discussion and you had a great question. Thank you very much. I really appreciated Peter's wisdom and I really appreciate our sponsors. Check them out. I really loved how Peter was so gung-ho on the habit list. And it's true, I have experienced some of that kind of combining lessons learned from Steve Robbins there in episode 440. I remember when I was in college, I had an accountability group and we would support each other and we would make these lists of habits that we are going to tackle. And sure enough, they grew and grew and grew as they became easy. So habits that were once hard were now sort of, well, habituated, and just very simple to do, such that it grew to the point of about 16 different habits, anything from, you know, drinking enough water to doing a morning ritual to exercise to, to anything. So some took just a couple minutes and some took more, but it was so cool how they started hard and then got easier. And then it's like, dang, I'm doing a ton of good stuff regularly. So great stuff from Peter. I hope you dug that and more. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we reference are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep443. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. Our next episode is Memorial Day, so it's just a quick reflection from me. But after that, we got Stacey Engel. She is in charge of the organization Fierce Inc. They talk about fierce conversations, those difficult or awkward or uncomfortable or abandoned conversations that need to be had, how to have them. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.